Our show will help our listeners, whether a business or home technology user, make better use of all aspects of technology. Just in case you're a first-time listener, in our first segment, Tech Talk provides you with a review of last week's most significant events in technology. We start with their increased coverage of New York's technology scene, and we follow this to their industry-wide report, which could contain information on conferences, announcements by vendors, new releases of software or equipment, or new contract opportunities. One of our guests followed us for many aspects of business and industry, and if you wish us to consider a topic for a future show, you can email your suggestions to techtalk, that's T-E-C-H-T-A-L-K, at imi-us.com, and we'll get back to you pretty quickly. Anytime after our show introduction, please give us a call or send an email message with questions on today's topic or anything else we might be able to help you with. You can call 277-KFNX, that's 277 277- Five three six nine. If you're outside the six zero two listing area, call us toll free at one eight six six five three six eleven hundred. Send us email questions at the email address I gave you, techtalk at imi-us.com. We monitor that throughout the show. And if we can't get your question on today's show, we'll definitely uh, send you a response and try and get you on next week. We're also being simulcast on the web, so if you can't get to your radio but you'd like to listen to us live, you can go to KFNX's website, which is 1100kfnx.com. And if you want to listen to this show again or any of our previous shows, you can go to our website, which is imi-us.com. In the upper right-hand corner is the Tech Talk button. Click on that. All the shows are there. They're archived. You can download them, listen to them there, or send them to your friends. It's free, so please take advantage of that. And please call any time during the show, and we'll try and get you on as quickly as possible. First segment's our Week in Review. It's our increased coverage of technology events in New York City and around the world, compiled by Dave Brandon, Jose Batista, and Dan Dioria. The news tells us that Manhattan Borough President Gail Brewer is trying to loosen the federal rules that prevent online supermarkets like Fresh Direct from accepting public assistance as payment as more and more people are shopping online. The issue came uh, to her attention after she noticed Fresh Direct accepts EBT cards, part of the Federal Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, from certain Bronx zip codes. She asked if they could expand to Manhattan, but Fresh Direct said it couldn't because the Bronx was part of a small pilot program by the federal government which administers food stamps. Only the Bronx is currently eligible. Rules prohibit most online grocers from accepting food stamps. Brewer is now working with Fresh Direct to convince the federal government to allow more New Yorkers to use food stamps at online grocers. Expanding food stamps eligibility would especially help seniors who struggle to schlep, that's a New York term, food home. It would also help New Yorkers who live in food deserts, low-income areas where no grocery stores and little access to healthy goods. Some studies have shown that as many as 750,000 New Yorkers live in food deserts. Okay, i got something here from Geico that not an advertisement, but five crowdfunding triumphs. Uh, and all you need is an idea and an Internet connection these days. More and more people are sharing their ingenious and sometimes not so ingenious ideas on crowdfunding websites, hoping to raise enough money to get their product or service off the ground. Not quite sure uh, what we're talking about. Well, here are some uh, crowd, popular crowdfunding campaigns from the last few years. You may even get inspired and create one for yourself. So stand, stand. Standing desks have been the rage over the past few years, but uh, for those who use laptops most of the time or can't simply afford the premium price of standing desks, 
they're not a viable option. That's why Luke Leafgern created Stan-Stan. Using three pieces of that fit together, Stan-Stan creates a standing desk no matter where you are. The campaign raised more than $115,000 on Kickstarter and is in full production. Motorcycles allow motorcycles allow you to enjoy the open road in a whole different way, but they don't provide the connectivity you find in new cars. Scully is changing that. Their smart helmet connects you to your phone and music and also provides a rear view camera GPS as a heads up display and so much more. The AR one combines sleek design with its connected features, promising to keep you safer on the road. The Indiegogo campaign uh, shattered their $250,000 goal. They raised nearly $2.5 million and turning the smart helmet into one of the most sought-after pieces of motorcycle gear. That's pretty cool. And here's something that's not so technical. Jamaican bobsled team started by an ordinary fan. This tilt campaign to raise money to send the Jamaican bobsled team to the Sochi 2004 Winter Olympic Games gained momentum and eventually brought in $129,000. And Aero's smart air conditioner quickly is more collaborative uh, site than crowdfunding site. Uh, users submit ideas for new products that aren't on the market or better versions of an item that already are. And the quirky uh, community com- can commit comment, add ideas, vote on the ones they like, and so on. So that's from Geico. Uh, They weren't trying to sell anything. Here's a car I'd like to get eventually. The Times tells us that Manhattan's dense urban landscape should, in theory, be an environment for electric cars, you would think. The stop-and-go traffic and shorter distances drivers uh, were the ideal for electric powers powered cars, but so many residents living in apartments finding a parking spot to reliably charge such a car is really difficult. Tesla Motors, the maker of high-end electric cars, will announce plans aimed at making commuting into Manhattan with a Model S sedan or living there while owning one easier. The company will unveil a partnership with two dozen garages around Manhattan, which will offer higher speed 240-volt charges for Tesla owners to power up their cars. Tesla has already built a network of so-called superchargers along major highways to help provide quick recharging while traveling. And over the last year, the company has been quietly rolling out what it called destination charges at resorts, parks, and restaurants around the country. Yeah, we uh, go up to Cape Cod every summer, and I just noticed, uh, since I've been following them, that they've got a couple along the Cape. So that's pretty inviting. The plan is to offer Tesla owners the ability to park by the hour, day, week, or even month at participating garages, which initially include two dozen locations stretching from Wall Street to 94th Street. But unlike Tesla's highway superchargers, the electricity will not be free for Tesla owners. Each garage will determine how much, if any, of course, uh, cost will be added to their existing parking fees. So we'll have to see how that goes. And finally, New York City lawmakers push for 911 texting service. New York City... um, City Council is scheduled to introduce a bill that would make that possible. The Daily News says that the bill would require the city Department of Information Technology and Telecommunications to issue a report within a year explaining how it plans to launch the next generation 911 technology. The 911 texting also would allow residents to send video and photos from the scene. Councilman Mark Levine said it would be particularly useful in situations where for reasons of safety or anonymity, voice calls are not appropriate. So we'll see where that goes. 
Okay, this is Tom DiOrio and I am I's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. We're going to get to our guest, Mark Saltzman, talk to you about back-to-school tools, so please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom DiOria, and it's the 16th of August, 2015. And as I mentioned to you before the break, uh, we're going to be telling you today about back-to-school tech tools with our guest, Mark Saltzman. And Mark has reported on high-tech industry since 1996 as a freelance journalist, author, lecturer, consultant, and radio and TV personality. His specialty is consumer electronics, computers, Internet trends, and social media, small and medium-sized business tech, and interactive entertainment. Mark contributes to more than 40 publications, including USA Today, Yahoo, and MSN. Mark, thanks for taking the time out from your busy schedule here to be with us. Thank you so much for having me on your show. We're going to talk about tech tools for kids. I guess we could start with K-12. For younger kids, I would recommend two things. One is for parents listening who are, of course, the ones who are going to be buying this gear for that age group. The first thing is to consider a desktop computer instead of a laptop. Believe it or not, the desktop is not dead yet. They are, of course, not as popular as the portable laptop notebook. Um, However, there's still a good place for them, especially for kids of this age, because, A, they're generally speaking less money than a laptop, and arguably kids who are seven don't need a high-end MacBook or anything like that. B, they're less prone to damage because they're not portable. You know, the kids are not going to be toting around a laptop to a library or to a study hall or, you know, they're going to work at home. So you might as well have a stationary computer with a larger screen and a full-size keyboard, which is going to be more comfortable and ergonomic, especially for kids of that age. And C, perhaps most importantly, that you want to put a desktop computer in a highly trafficked area of your home so you can keep an eye on where your little, little ones are going online. We all know that you know, even if you install software like NetNanny and all these other sort of safeguards, they could still land on inappropriate content. So a desktop makes it a little bit harder for kids to surf alone if you don't put it in their room. And I think it's a good idea. So I would definitely recommend an entry-level desktop for kids of that age. Let's say we have a desktop at home, maybe not entry-level. Are the applications that their peers may have on their laptops because their parents didn't listen to this show. Are the applications basically going to be the same, whether it's a desktop, a laptop, or an iPad? Generally speaking, the answer is yes. It has less to do with the form factor and more to do with the operating system. Chances are kids in that grade will have applications or programs or software, whatever you want to call them, that run on Windows, which is still the dominant operating system for computers. Windows 10, of course, is a free update for those who are running Windows 7 or Windows 8. So Windows is probably the most popular operating system, especially for that age group. Not probably, it is. Followed by, of course, uh, Mac, which is uh, very, very, uh, you know, great software and very reliable hardware, but priced above the norm. So uh, it's rare that a school board would embrace software that only runs on a Mac. 
And then the other uh, operating system that is gaining in some popularity for students is Chromebook, which is, of course, an offshoot of Google's Chrome platform and similar to the Android or open source operating system on most smartphones in the world and tablets, but for sure Windows. So it's a great question, but I don't think parents should worry about compatibility. And, you know, I think at that level, it's either going to be on the web or it'll be Windows software for students. K-6, are they using computers at that level in schools? I mean, where do they start? It depends on the board. It depends on the the city and the state. But generally speaking, uh, beginning in grade two or three, so when the the child is, uh, you know, uh, seven or eight, is when they start uh, implementing computers more. It could be in a computer lab. Some schools, including some private schools, have a one-to-one ratio for, for laptop or tablet per student, which is great if that's an option. But generally speaking, kids will share or they're doing their homework. There is very little computer interaction in the classroom itself, but they may have an assignment like come to school tomorrow and tell us your favorite country and why. So that the child would go home, work with their parent or solo to do that research and then type something up maybe in a Word document around grade three or so, eight, eight or nine years old. Schools nowadays are expecting kids to, uh, to have access to a, a computer of whatever type. I think with, 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 within reason, you know, that they certainly, most schools still have a library with a public uh, computer or more than one computer. So if the child does not have uh, a computer at home, um, and certainly this is an issue, in, in some, uh, let's call them financially challenged neighborhoods, um, you know, that they don't all have uh, computers at home. And even if they do, it may not be new enough to run some of this software, or they have to share it with a, a, a few siblings. So most schools will have uh, computers to share. But I think that, you know, around grade three or grade four, it's expected that... Um, you're going to have a computer. In fact, there's this trend called flip learning where the, the work is done at the, the homework is done in the class where the teacher is there to help the child. Uh, and then the, the, the research is done at home. So it's not unusual for a teacher to say to their kids, all right, watch this video on YouTube. And here is the link on YouTube. Um, um, but, um, you know, and then we'll do the homework in class. So it's kind of a, uh, it's an interesting sort of flipped, as the name suggests, it's sort of a reverse trend, but uh, that's kind of what's happening. So I think that uh, at around grade two or three, and it does vary on the board, that uh, we're talking about uh, uh, most kids will need a computer in today's day and age. I would argue that it's not a luxury anymore. It's a necessity. And I agree because you're going to need it as you move forward, and we're going to get into that in the, in the upcoming segments. So if, if in second grade my uh, child is, is going to start using the computer in school, what do I teach them K-2? One of my favorite companies that creates outstanding educational software is called LeapFrog. And I'm sure that you or many of your listeners are familiar with this brand. Um, that they have this, that are celebrating their 20th anniversary or 20th birthday. And they have apps that uh, not only test the child what they knew, know, and that's the problem with a lot of this, these educational uh, apps or, or programs out there, is all they do is they test what the child knows. But LeapFrog actually teaches uh, children and even, even toddlers uh, 
basic concepts like, you know, not just the ABCs and one, two, threes, but also, um, you know, they, the creativity and they, they encourage exploration and ex- experimentation. They teach core values, uh, things like cooperation and empathy. And there's amazing games and activities and ebooks all under the Leapfrog banner. And there's a new tablet coming out in September 2015 called the Leapfrog Epic. And this is a $139 Android tablet. It's a 7-inch tablet that is fully protected, so moms and dads don't have to worry about the content that's on there. There are some preloaded apps, plus you have access to more than a 1,000 others at the LeapFrog store, and none of the apps have third-party advertisements or in-app purchases. So they don't have to be you know, uh, concerned about a surprise on their you know, iTunes bill on their credit card with you know, them playing um, a game and, and having uh, purchases made in-app. So um, LeapFrog Epic gives you a customized and personalizable home screen. It looks like a town. And this is designed for ages three to, uh, three to nine. And it grows with the child over time. And that town, by the way, is animated. So instead of a boring desktop or home screen where you've got static icons against the background, this is an animated, living, breathing kind of world with, with weather changing and, and, and day-to-night life, uh, time cycles. Uh, and, and daily surprises and weekly content uh, all on the homepage. That's even before you open an app. So kids love it. And then the, the apps themselves, as I mentioned, they straddle the line between fun and, and learning. And not a lot of companies know how to nail that. They either make it too fun, and there's very little that the, the child gleans from it. Uh, but then, and then they're on the other end of the spectrum, they're, they're too much work, and the child loses interest quickly. LeapFrog knows how to hit that sweet spot where the apps are great. And this is an Android tablet with a web browser, but it's all curated content, so the child um, won't stumble upon anything inappropriate. Uh, there's 20 apps, by the way, in, in the box already, like on the tablet. Um, and then parents also can manage the time that they're on the, the tablet. So if... Uh, you know, they want to, if mom and dad aren't always there in the same room with their child and they, they may be busy, maybe cleaning the home or helping a sibling out with homework. So you can actually set up parental controls like only an hour a day on the tablet. So it's a really great little product that uh, I've had some hands-on time with. It's just coming out and it's called EPIC, which stands for Explore, Play, Imagine, Create. And that's uh, from LeapFrog. So on that note, uh, we're going to leap to a commercial. Tom DiOrio and IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. It's the 16th of August, 2015. And our guest is Mark Saltzman, and we're talking about back-to-school tech tools. Please stay tuned. We're going to be right back after these messages. It's a half-hour break, so you're going to get the national news. And then we'll be right back. Welcome back to IMI Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom DiOrio. It's the 16th of August, 2015. And we're talking to Mark Saltzman about back-to-school tech tools. And in the first segment, we were talking about uh, K-6, to and we could probably spend the whole show on that. But I want to move on to middle school, and I guess that's 7 to 9. Again, desktop or laptop or, or tablet or let's talk about the hardware first. 
Okay, so the, what we talked about prior to the break was that a desktop computer is not only more affordable, but it's, it's a stationary computer, so it's less prone to damage, and, and parents can keep an eye on where their kids are going online. I, I like that. But as they grow older and they are more responsible and you've had talks with them about the, you know, about some of the, uh, the issues with the Internet and some of the problems that they may face and how to deal with these risks, um, you want to give them a little bit more freedom. So a laptop, of course, is uh, more ideal for that because it's portable and it's, and it's got uh, not just uh, portability but wireless connectivity as well. So I would say that, you know, starting in grade uh, 7 or certainly 8 and 9, uh, I guess depending on where you're listening to this show, it's either middle school or, you know, um, junior high. There's different names, of course, for it, but we're all talking around the same age, around, you know, 13, 14, 15. A laptop would be great, and there's no shortage of options out there. Uh, again, something with uh, that's light and thin is, is great, not just aesthetically, but, you know, you're not weighing, you're not weighed down in your backpack with a very heavy Laptop. I, I affectionately called my my old laptop the Backbreaker 3000 <laughs> because you know I mean as a traveling journalist I mean it was rough going through airport to airport carrying something like that. Today's computers are only a pound or two and uh, certainly uh, very thin. They're powered by usually an Intel Intel Core processor, so for lots of power under the hood, which is also great for multitasking which is something a lot of students do, and great for battery life. You know, um, the, one of the computers I was just looking at, the Dell XPS 13, has a up to 15-hour battery in a laptop that is small. It's actually it's a 13-inch laptop crammed into an 11-inch laptop body and, um, you know, super thin and light, up to 15 hours, so you don't even have to bring a charger with you during the day. Um, so that's a good one. The, the Lenovo Flex 2 is a neat two-in-one, as we call it, also powered by Intel, and, and you can uh, recline the screen all the way back. So when you want to use it in tablet mode, you can bend back the screen and then put it on your lap. The keyboard is now tucked underneath and disabled, and now you can use your fingertips on the screen like a tablet. So two-in-ones, I think, are a popular category for this age group and even a little older like high school and college because it's a versatile solution. It's both a laptop and a tablet in one. Microsoft also has theirs called the Surface 3, which is a uh, you know, $499 tablet with an optional magnetic keyboard that you can connect, uh, attach to it magnetically when you need a, a keyboard and a trackpad. But when you don't, you can take off the keyboard and then put the tablet on your lap and make some notes with a stylus pen or flick through some games or videos. So for that age group, I would recommend a tablet um, or, sorry, a laptop or a laptop-tablet hybrid called the two-in-one. Now, what's the price point of these? Yeah, so they start generally at about $300. I'm thinking of, in particular, the Asus Transformer Book T100, and that's A-S-U-S, but it's pronounced Asus. And these are, uh, you know, a 10-inch a tablet with a full keyboard that you can detach the screen at any time. Take it with you to go, you know, um, kids in a dorm room, for example, may leave, if, you know, I know we're now talking college, but, or even kids at home in, in middle school or high school, they would um, keep the keyboard on their desk in their room perhaps, but then take the tablet to class 
to make notes with their fingertip or to, you know, a stylus pen, which, by the way, you can pick up at the dollar store for, for a buck, so you don't have to buy the expensive stylus pens. And then, um, you know, then you dock the screen back into the keyboard when you need to do some long-form typing. So that's only 249 or so to start. Uh, but then they go up from there. As I mentioned, the Microsoft Surface 3 is about 499 And then, you know, the Lenovo Flex 2 uh, is about 699 and up. But you get a, a faster Intel Core processor, which is better for gaming and, you know, a lot more oomph under the hood, if you will. Are many middle schools now expecting the kids to come in with their laptops, or is that we wait for high school? Without question, middle school kids need a computer to do, at the very least, homework, and you know, which includes research or typing up a, a paper. I don't know of a lot of teachers, even in the grade 8 level, grade 7 level, that want a handwritten uh, book report. Um, but whether or not... Write. Kids can't write serif anyway, so... <laughs> not in today's day and age, if my kids no. are any indication. <laughs> uh, but definitely, uh, whether it's allowed in the classroom or not is another story altogether. I, I find that it varies wildly. Some teachers uh, uh, accept it and they, and, and they encourage it to keep it on their desk so long as they're not playing Minecraft or, you know, they're not on Instagram or anything, as long as they're using it for, for work. Um, but others uh, frown upon it. Other school boards and, and schools, they, they don't like the idea of a laptop on a desk in a classroom. That's more for after school uh, or, you know, during a, a study session. So it, it does vary, but without question, and, and by the time you're in middle school, computer literacy is in incredibly important. Now, are you still suggesting that uh, um, Microsoft is the operating system to go with even in middle school? I would still say so. I've got a soft spot for Windows. You know, um, I just find, and it's a very personal thing, that I can get more done in less time. I know all the shortcuts. Um, you know, now it's a, it's free. You know, they, they, they know that they're sort of coming from behind. They had a, you know, had a couple of stumbles, a couple of missteps with Windows Vista and then Windows 8. So they, they are, you know, doing the right thing by making what I think is a stellar operating system, Windows 10, available for free. Um, so I definitely think, you know, you can't go wrong with either Windows or Mac. So the one issue with Chromebook, so the good thing about Chromebook is that you can get a, a laptop for under $200 that's powered by Chrome. The problem is very limited software, and, and most of the time it's online connectivity is required all the time. You know, some of them let you put in a little memory card, like a little USB stick or a, a memory card, like an SD card that you might put in a digital camera and, and save some content for offline use. But in most cases, with Chromebook, the way it was built is that it's assuming, you know, ubiquitous wireless connectivity, and that's not always the case. So I think, you know, you can't go wrong with Windows or Mac, but, but the, the, the children will have to know what the teacher expects from them and what software may be required. But we're inching towards a sort of platform agnostic age where it's more web-based and more app-based, which is available and supported by multiple platforms. Now, our, our, um, most of the applications that the kids would be using in, in middle school, you know, search engines and Word and things like that, or are there other applications that you're seeing in middle school? So 
I think that, you know, uh, a productivity suite is sort of like the most important thing you have. So uh, Microsoft Office, for example, and again, I don't want this to sound like a Microsoft commercial. iLife and, and, and some of the other products that are available for Mac, is that those are great as well. But, you know, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, um, these are, I think, some of, and, and OneNote is a bit of an under underappreciated piece of software. I think that's important. And then after that, it really depends on what the, the curriculum uh, dictates. You know, if it's uh, if it's a geography class, you know, you may only need Google Earth and a, a handful of websites that the teacher hands out. Uh, increasingly, there's a lot of content online that doesn't require special software; it's just a website. Um, Are schools expecting the kids to come into middle school literate? You know, they don't have to be super tech savvy unless they're going to like you know. Uh, unless they're going to computer, a computer science program uh, after high school. But I, I definitely think that some basic knowledge is expected. But nine out of ten times you'll find that the students, they're already tech savvy. You know, so I think that some, if you want to call computer literacy being comfortable uh, and uh, fluent in using a computer, then, yeah, I think it's a no-brainer. You know, and I think that in, in today's day and age, it's not a one-size-fits-all scenario. Maybe 20, you know, 15, 20 years ago, everybody had the same kind of computer. Now, it's anything goes. It can be a smartphone, sure. which, is, which is a computer. A smartphone is a computer for all intents and purposes. Uh, a tablet, a laptop, a tablet-laptop hybrid, the two-in-one, a desktop. You know, I mean, there's so many options today. I know I, know I walked around a, a college campus uh, in Arizona, and I looked on the on the desks uh, last year uh, on the you know where where all the students were sitting and taking notes. Uh, probably half of them had a smartphone or a tablet and a wireless keyboard. That's it. So it really depends on you know the student and their comfort level. I do agree that typing notes on a physical keyboard is more comfortable, in my opinion. But you know some of these kids, this, this younger generation, the millennials, they may be just as comfortable on a touchscreen, but <laughs> it's what you're used to, but accuracy counts as well. And ergonomics, you don't want to ruin your wrist, especially at a young age when you know a larger and slightly angled keyboard would be better for you. On that note, we're going to take a break. We're talking to Mark Saltzman about back-to-school tech tools. This is Tom DiOrio on IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. It's the 16th of August, 2015. We're going to take a break. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back to these messages. Welcome back to IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom DiOrio. It's the 16th of August, 2015. And we're talking to Mark Saltzman about back-to-school tech tools. And uh, we're going to spend this last segment talking about high school and college. But first, Mark, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Maybe you want to tell them about your radio show. Yeah, thank you. So if your listeners are on Twitter, I'm at Mark underscore Saltzman. And Mark is spelled with a C. And salt is like salt and pepper, the letter Z, and then man, salt man. And uh, I coincidentally host a radio show in Canada called Tech Talk. Uh, it runs uh, both in Toronto, our, our largest city by population, as well as Montreal, also uh, up there. And um, I write books as well. My last book just came out through Wiley, uh, The Dummies People, and the book is called Apple Watch for Dummies. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun, much like what you do. It's, uh, it's great to connect with people, to make some sense of technology, because we all know it could be overwhelming and intimidating. 
and, and highlighting the latest trends. Great. So we've got, uh, I don't know, eight minutes left. Let's talk about high school and then jump into college. So everybody's now computer literate. They've been using uh, computers for a long time. They're safe because their parents and their teachers taught them how to be safe on the Internet. What's different in high school? So in high school, definitely a lighter, uh, faster laptop would be recommended, something that's more portable, uh, that maybe has a little bit more power because the the students are going to be probably multitasking. They're probably going to be using, uh, and it's possible that they they have to run software, not just visit websites that might require a little bit more uh, horsepower under the hood. I Again, I'll go back to recommending an Intel uh, powered uh, processor, not just for performance, but for um, multitasking and battery life. Um, memory is, is sometimes a challenge. Uh, there's a really cool gadget this year. And I, what I mean, when I say memory, by the way, I'm referring to storage. When you run out of storage, of course, the cloud, you know, saving your files online is convenient. But there's also a cool little thumb drive called the SanDisk Connect Wireless Stick. And for uh, $29 and up, it is a. It looks like a thumb drive that you would snap into your desktop or your laptop, uh, Windows or Mac, copy content over to it, and then when you take it with you to go, you turn it on, there's a little button, and now on your phone, your tablet, your laptop, it wirelessly accesses files that you store on this thumb drive. So it's an inexpensive and wireless way to double, triple, or quadruple the storage on your devices that may be limited. You know, when you buy an iPhone, you know, whatever you buy, you're, lim- you're stuck with. You can't add more memory. Same with the new Samsung. SanDisk Connect Wireless Plus. It looks like any other thumb drive. And yes, you can use it to transfer files between computers or to back up the files on your computer in case something happens. But the cool part is the wireless connectivity and the ability to share with people. Get this. You can load it up with movies or TV shows, right? Take it with you to go, and now you and up to, you know, like you and two friends, for example, can watch a different high-definition movie at the same time on your favorite device streaming from that one stick. So that's pretty cool. I, I have three kids. My wife and I took them on a little road trip, and they each one, one had like an iPad on their lap, another one had an, an Android phone, and the third had like a Windows laptop. They all watched a different movie at the same time. That's fantastic. Yeah. Other great products, the HP Instant Ink uh, program. So these are the new batch of printers that are web-enabled. So not only are they uh, printer, scanner, copier, uh, but, and, and with Wi-Fi, but they're connected to the Internet. And what's cool about it is that when the printer senses it's low on ink, it automatically orders more. So it's, for, it's a program, so you sign up for as low as $2.99 a month. And you go to, you know, the HP Instant Ink website, sign up, and then you're good to go. So you're never going to have that ink anxiety where it's 11 o'clock at night on a Sunday, stores are closed and you run out of ink. You're going to be continually replenished with more ink. Uh, You know, and it saves you up to 50% of the cost of buying ink at retail, but it comes to your door instead. So that's called HP Instant Ink. And the last two, go ahead, sorry, that, huh? No, I was just going to say, that's pretty good, half the price. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's that's usually on the wallet and easy on your mind because I, I hate that feeling. I could tell you as, a, as a, someone who prints still a lot, I'm not quite at that paperless office yet. Um, I sometimes find that my ink is running dry and I've ignored the messages on my computer. And <laughs> so after hours, and I'm like, ugh. So, 
The last two products, they're great for dorm rooms. And let's talk a little bit about fun now. Um, so if you're a, a college student, there's two music-related uh, gadgets that I think uh, anyone would love. One of them is a Bluetooth stereo. So it's a Bluetooth radio with a, a clock radio built in. So not only can you play your music wirelessly to this speaker, but you've got a large-faced clock, a digital clock, that you can put on your bedside. But it's the world's first with a removable K-cell battery. So you, you press a button on top of this clock, clock radio, out pops a cylinder-shaped battery that you take with you for the day, and whenever your smartphone needs a top-up, you just plug it into this little gadget. And you keep this in your pocket, in your purse, in your backpack, and then at the end of the day, when you, go back, when you go to sleep and you're wirelessly listening to your favorite music or podcast or audiobook, you, you pop this little cylinder-shaped battery back into the, the K2, and it starts charging it up again for the next day. So that's $99 from iHome called the Kineta K2, great for dorm rooms. And the music, the, the audio quality, by the way, is amazing. Despite the fact that it's a small little Bluetooth speaker, it sounds great. And the last one is called the HyperX Cloud 2 headset. This is a very comfortable pair of headphones, the large over-the-ear variety. It comes in multiple colors. That sounds great. It's got large 53-millimeter drivers for rich and well-balanced sound. But it's also great for gamers because uh, PC gamers, you can plug this into your computer, and it will give you a virtual 7.1 surround sound uh, set up out of all your games. So it puts you in the middle of the action. So when you want to blow off some steam after a couple of exams, you uh, can put the uh, uh, detachable microphone into the headphone so you can start chatting with people online. And then you've got that virtual 7.1 surround sound in your headphones. But then by day when you're walking around campus and you want a stylish pair of headphones to show off and listen to your music to, uh, you take off the microphone and uh, the little attachment for the computer that gives you the 7.1 surround sound, and you plug this into your smartphone, and you're good to go. $99 for this HyperX product as well. That's fantastic. Nice, uh, nice tools. We'll call them tools. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we've got a minute left. Uh, is there anything going on in uh, education in general in a minute that you can tell us about that everybody should be looking forward to, parents, students? So interestingly, we're migrating away from smart boards, which are you know the large interactive screens at the front of a classroom, and we're moving towards more of a you know as as these are becoming a bit of a commodity, the the one one device per child, so a tablet on their lap or a computer or something, and sometimes the teacher will have uh, or the professor will have a large screen, but the kids can interact with it on their device, their personal device. Um, so I know that the, you know, the smart board folks have been changing more to a, a cloud-based software model. You can still find smart boards in many classrooms, but uh, everyone that I'm talking to, and I do write about uh, educational technology, they're telling me they're moving away from it a little bit uh, to more personal devices. So expect to see that you know, as the price of tablets and laptops are dropping down, and uh, you know, it's more of, a, more of a personal experience. Mark, I really appreciate you taking the time from your busy schedule uh, to be with us. This is very informative, and I hope our listeners get in touch with you and follow up. But thanks again. I really appreciate it. And thank you. I really appreciate your time. Have a good, have a good one. 
I want to thank uh, Terry Giorgi, Vice President Day, Brandon, Dan Diori, and Jose Batista for our week in review. Taylor Redden's our producer. Tess Henshaw is our associate producer. And Matt Campagna is our executive producer. And from the production department, without the help of Robert Bomback, you wouldn't hear a word we said. Thanks again for listening. And please don't forget to tune into Tech Talk next week at 6 p.m. in New York on KFNX AM 1100. Remember to send us your suggestions for future shows or ask us questions by sending an email to techtalk at imi-us.com. Have a great week, and thanks again for listening.